Can I rant for a sec? Please. Pay apps are way too public. What happened? Some rando hearted a payment from five months ago, and I realized people can see my entire history, who I'm paying, like full names. It's super weird. Yeah, it's weird. How are you paying your friends then? Apple Cash. It's all in messages. You can literally send cash like a text, and it stays between friends. Random people can't see it. Did you just pay me a dollar on Apple Cash? <laughs> Services are provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Terms apply. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank, a national association, member FDIC. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. Hey, this is Annie. And Samantha. And welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You, a production of iHeartRadio. So, I don't have a question for you today because we have a lot to talk about and we're going to be sharing our opinions throughout. Fair. Yes, because you and I come from different angles when we're talking about the 90s and <laughs> the treatment of women in our pop culture during the 90s. And that has been a topic of conversation lately, whether it is Britney Spears or Monica Lewinsky. So we wanted to briefly go over some of that and yeah, discuss kind of our own thoughts and feelings as that was unfolding. Right. And when it comes to women and feminism, the 90s was a decade full of contradictions. And yes, I remember feeling contradicted myself, trying to be an independent woman, but then being from the South and trying to please my misogynistic family. I was trying to find a nice way of saying this. You had movies and shows, and we've talked about in the past, like Buffy, The Craft, Practical Magic, girl groups like Spice Girls, which yes, I did own that album. (laughs) Women in general were delaying marriage and children for higher education or careers, and more and more women entered politics. And 1992 was, quote, the year of women. Although there's a lot of back and forth about the veracity of that. So... Yeah. Just to keep in mind. Basically, the Senate went from two women to six women, which right. is not the best. I mean, right. it's better. Right. But still. but still, yeah. Yeah. I learned when I was researching this that there's a term called the Scully effect on recruiting women for STEM still because of how much of an impact that character from the X-Files had. Interesting. I loved it. I loved the X-Files. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we have example after example of women and young girls being sexualized and punished, absolutely ripped apart by the media, cruelly and easily often mocked in late night shows, for example. A part of this was fueled by the emerging 24-hour cable news cycle that, yeah, did debut in the early 90s. This was a space to rip apart women who were rising to power or attempting to claim space for daring to be visible. And yeah, now it can be translated into social media doing that to our young girls today. And it's really Mm -hmm. sad to see. But we are going to go over some brief examples of the 90s 
because it's so fresh in our mind with everything that's kind of reoccurring or being rediscussed, I guess. And honestly, there's so many examples we could have talked about. And these are not bios. And and disclaimer, we're not necessarily saying that these women were completely blameless. We're more focusing on the media's toxic treatment of them and our interpretation of that. So let's get started with, of course, for my generation, Monica Lewinsky. And yeah, super brief because probably most of you are familiar with this. It has been talked about a lot recently. In 1995, Lewinsky started as an intern at the U.S. White House. According to her, from 1995 to 1997, she and then President Clinton engaged in nine sexual encounters, including fellatio, which resulted in his impeachment. Clinton repeatedly denied the allegations. People that worked with them had observed that they spent a lot of time together. A co-worker of Lewinsky's, Linda Tripp, started recording conversations with Lewinsky when she was confessing sort of what was going on. Lewinsky's sexual history became public knowledge, and the prosecutor obtained the infamous blue dress that had Clinton's semen on it. And eventually, Clinton did admit that he had, quote, an inappropriate relationship with her. But he maintained that oral sex was not, quote, sex necessarily. And these sex acts were performed on him, but not by him. I'm so enraged I wanted, even though I knew all of this. I still want to flip a table with that Uh excuse. So Lewinsky (laughs) was majorly, intensely harassed and mocked by the media after this, which was called the Lewinsky scandal or the Lewinsky affair, which is completely stupid as she has no authority in this relationship. But let's Mm -hmm. not forget the power balance, yeah, and the age difference here. She was in her early 20s and the blame was placed completely on her. And this story exemplifies the blaming, mocking, and dismissing of women that was rampant during the 90s. Monica Lewinsky was a 90s punchline. She was called a diz and and slut-shamed. She herself has talked about how many times her name pops up in rap songs, synonymous with something she'd rather not be known for. And yeah, don't blame her. And the lasting impact that it's had on her personal and professional life and how at this time, she didn't want him to resign because... She didn't want to be responsible for it and the guilt. She talked about the guilt she had. She came onto public TV to apologize yeah. to him. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, those are her words. She said she did not want to be responsible for it. Those are her words. That's how she felt at when she was young. In 2014, she sort of reemerged as an outspoken activist against cyberbullying, calling herself patient zero for online cyberbullying. And comedians, yeah, like David Letterman and Bill Maher have both said that they feel guilty about jokes they told at her expense. Um, and now people are currently trying to rebrand this whole event as the Clinton affair. So in terms of what I remember, because I was probably like, what, eight? I didn't know what a blowjob was. <laughs> I didn't know what they were talking about. All I knew is they basically were saying this woman messed up politics. I felt, I feel like she was causing a scene and messed up. This was my interpretation as a young person. She'd like really drawn attention to herself and was messing up our government, had done something embarrassing that we shouldn't talk about. And I remember people making fun of her all the time because I did, I've like from a young age watched late night shows. So I didn't get the jokes, but I knew they were making jokes. And I will say when I was in Europe for the second time, so like maybe 18 there was a drink at a bar I could get that was called the Monica Lewinsky. 
and you got onto your knees to drink. I don't remember what, it, uh, like they Ugh. shook it and exploded in your face. Ugh. So this was like in Europe. Right. That's how far and wide this story captured people's attention. Right. And there's so many connotations to that because I remember I was 17. So obviously I was a teenager trying to figure out sexuality. And of course I was high and mighty in my religious fervor. I was like, oh, virginity is a real thing and I'm going to be a virgin till I'm married. Like this whole narrative that had me believe this is what a woman's value was. That and she was the epitome of the dark side. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> because for some reason, we all had to blame her. She was the reason for the A, failure of this man. Mm-hmm. B, the failure of their marriage. And C, the downfall of young women altogether. So this whole narrative became this cautionary tell for the rest mm-hmm. of us. Meaning you know, young women who... Try not to be tempting. Don't tempt men. This is what happens when you tempt men. And people bought it. Like, yeah. he came out as a cool person. He came, even till this day, in those rap yep. songs, he is the hero of mm-hmm. this. And it's beyond disgusting because when we look at what has happened, we completely take away the whole level of responsibility that he had as a commander-in-chief, as the older man, as her boss. Yep. In all of this, and the fact that there's a reason why young girls fall into, I don't know if I have a choice, and then also are victim blamed and take on that blame. Mm-hmm. And I love seeing what she is doing now because she is a powerhouse and is kind of having to take everything as a joke but at, at the same yeah. time calling things out. And I, I respect that. But yeah, I definitely didn't respect her at the time. She was a punchline. I remember the SNL sketch where John Goodman plays Linda Tripp, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like, tr- of course, like that's a whole big conversation, how this woman who, what, for whatever reason, was involved, but she was also to blame instead of it being on the person yeah. that actually I mean, was part of the That's why I included that fact is that she didn't really report it herself. Right. Like, and yet we still... And we still call her a gold digger. Essentially, they, yeah. they called her as if she was trying to, you know, work her way up. And this is what women do. Yeah. And this is where we right. see this narrative. And, and again, we talked about in the 90s how we saw the crazy bitch trope. And she was mm-hmm. a part of that narrative. Oh, yeah. And so was Linda Tripp. Yeah. And when I was reading today, just headlines from that time, it was... It was... I'm... I'm both shocked and not shocked at how easily even really well-known, respected institutions were like calling her fat or (laughs) calling her a slut or just like all of this stuff. When again, she was a 20 or like 21, 22 year old and you're blaming her. Right. I I mean, I definitely fell into that trap. I absolutely agreed with all that thought. The jokes were funny. Didn't think about it until later. Made the Lewinsky jokes, I'm sure. Even though I was still kind of too young Mm -hmm. to quite understand, but I knew what, you know, blowjobs were. And that was, to me, at that point in time, not realizing what those connotations and the, the backlash was. That was the meaning to women. And of course, she would be the one to do that. And if you're giving a man a blowjob, that meant that you were the desperate hussy. Like there was this whole like level of submission 
in the way they played in that narrative. And that's how I saw that. Uh, oral sex like that meant that the man was in power and he was using it against you. And it was mm-hmm. just... That's a whole other conversation we can talk about how that got to be such a twisted thing of power yep. and submission. And yet, we celebrated that for him. Yeah. Instead of seeing the disgusting like layers to that. Yeah. Well, I think that's what I find one of the most upsetting things about this to this day is that it's almost seen as like a good on you old dude. You got this younger girl and that's what men do and that's cool. And yeah, he really didn't face... I mean, she like basically went into hiding right. and her whole life was defined by this thing. Right. And, it, and, and for her, it's like, oh, you slut. And for him, it's like, good job, bro. <laughs> right. And the fact that, I mean, he's still seen as, sure, he did some good things. He did some bad things. And we can't ignore any one of those things, but he's still kind of held as a hero mm-hmm. of our country. I just, yeah. I just can't. There's no justice <laughs> to that. <laughs> Speaking of, <laughs> let's talk about Britney Spears. Oh my gosh, yeah. And Spears got her start in the Mickey Mouse Club, if you don't know this, in the 90s. Mm-hmm. And she signed a record deal in 1997 when she was 15. Hit Me Baby One More Time, which... One of my favorites, obviously, which has the music video where she is dressed as a sexy schoolgirl in 98. Oh, yeah, that was a big deal. And it made, like, oh, yeah. it made a huge splash to the point that it's still replicated in other mm-hmm. videos today. She was called the Princess of Pop, went on to sell millions of albums. Baby One More Time and Oops, I Did It Again, which I did have a rendition, but I'm not going to do it again, <laughs> are some of the best-selling albums of all times. And she was one of the most successful teenage pop stars of all time, and she changed the landscape of pop music. Yeah, and the media frenzy around her and the sexualization of her was intense. I remember this really well. I was in middle school when all this was going down, and like you couldn't, for listeners who are younger or just missed it for some some reason, you couldn't escape. Like I would be reading a science article about farting, no joke, mentioned Britney Spears, (laughs) or like just like she would come up all the time. And there was this narrative that she was ruining young girls. Um, Her music was often called worthless, manufactured, or fake. A Rolling Stones review of Hit Me Baby called her a, quote, jailbait dynamo. And she could not win. She was either too sexy or not sexy enough. She was an airhead, but she should stay quiet. Religious groups called for people to boycott her music. When she said she was planning on being abstinent till she was married, she was laughed at. She publicly expressed frustration about being compared to bubblegum pop. Her relationships were scrutinized. Her relationship with Justin Timberlake was the source of endless media coverage. And in 2007, 2008, she struggled with drugs and mental health, and she was widely mocked for that. I remember that, too. I remember jokes about how fat she was, about how her agent was trying to keep her away from the buffet. She shaved her head. People were making jokes about that. And I will say, I did do a recent rewatch of Seinfeld during this uh, pandemic, and jeez! Calling women fat who are so freaking thin, it's wild. Like, this is... I remember that in Friends, too, because I watched Friends when it was on TV. I haven't watched it since, but I remember, like, the ad for them was three anorexic chicks. Like, yeah, I was so confused with uh, Monica Lewinsky as well as Britney Spears when they were calling her fat. And even Jessica Simpson was part of that ire, like, continually being called fat. And I looked at them like, they're size six, seven. How? How are they fat? This doesn't make any sense to me. And as a thick girl growing up, the self-consciousness of like, if they're fat, 
Yeah. I'm morbidly obese. Like I am beyond. Yeah. And having to deal with that type of scrutiny from afar and what that meant for me, because these are huge stars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And with the documentary and the Free Britney movement, the whole uh, Leave Britney Alone thing, which by the way, changed that person's life because they were adamantly trying to advocate for Britney Spears. And now they're seen as, uh, they were right. <laughs> they were <laughs> like, yeah, they were right. We should have we mm-hmm. listened to them. And her treatment in the media is being reassessed. And actually, she's kind of started this whole conversation because of this documentary about what we did and what we do to young stars like that and how this level of scrutiny is placed solely on them to the detriment of their health and lives. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she's become a huge icon because of this. By the way, apparently she said that she couldn't watch all of it. And when she yeah. started watching it, she only she could things she could do was cry because she hated mm-hmm. it. She hated yeah. it, uh, which is surprising and not surprising because you don't want to be seen vulnerable. A, B. Sure. I'm sure she just didn't want to revisit all the <laughs> awful things that happened to her trying to get her life back together. And mm-hmm. of course, the Free Britney movement has everything to do with the conservatorship that has happened and the debate back and forth about who can control her money, which is such a weird thing because I've never seen that. And then they talk mm-hmm. about this in the documentary on a young person and a young person's career outside of parents with underage children yeah, and or people who are older and have become senile due to age or whatnot. Those are the only times you've actually ever seen that play out. So this seems very suspicious. I don't have yeah. an opinion because I, I can't say too much. But yeah, there's a lot of questions I remember going through like, are they allowed to do what? Yeah. That's weird. And then they talk a lot about the fact of her being so ostracized in her life because of the constant scrutiny for being a woman growing up in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. And it's so hard. And you see it repeatedly, but they didn't go to as deep of scrutiny like the Jonas Brothers. They kind of came from that same line of Mm -hmm. uh, we're good boys, we're going to stay abstinent, all these things. But they never went through the hell yeah, that Britney Spears did. And it's interesting to see. And I was right there, Annie. I don't know about you, about making fun of her. Like I, because mm-hmm. I think I came from that generation of being tired of being branded as not as cool. Or, you know, like I was coming into an age where, you know, Nirvana and all of that yeah. was cool. And so yep. you can't be pop if mm-hmm. you're going to be grunge. <laughs> yeah. So if you liked one, yeah. you have to hate the other, right? Um, Even though I like the Spice Girls, don't ask. <laughs> well, I I know I've spoken about my relationship with my siblings before on here, but it wasn't always the best. And I I remember when Britney Spears was like blowing up and the just like she's bad for girls and this whole sexualized thing and keep it and it felt like such a like <laughs> naughty thing to do right. to listen to Britney Spears. And I legitimately had her music, but I would rename it on my computer so my brothers didn't know I had it. Right. That's how embarrassed I was and how ashamed I felt of liking this music that, yes, I had been told was bad and fake and superficial and right. worthless. Right. But she was huge. I mean, she the, she legitimately left an impact on our music She landscape. is now iconic. She has made a point that she is still bringing in money for mm-hmm. her content. And whether it's a documentary that wasn't even done by her. <laughs> I know. She didn't have <laughs> any part of it. It's making money. Her Las Vegas shows were huge. 
Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah. I, I feel bad because I definitely was one that hated on her because she was the downfall in my mind, of the good girl. And she was just like everybody, all the Hollywood things, not understanding how toxic that whole mindset was, of course. And I fed into that. And I came out with really negative views about sex in my body because Mm -hmm. I fed into that. So Mm -hmm. yeah, I was definitely part of the problem when it came to using Britney Spears as an excuse for what's wrong with the world. Yeah. And I, I think it's good to keep in the back of our heads here that age period of like 15 and becoming a woman in heavy quotes, that's a tough time to do that in front of everyone where everyone has an opinion. I can't imagine. But then being young and watching that, you're thinking, oh, well, that's what people are going to think of me if I, you know, dress more risque or, you know, all these things. And you do internalize that stuff. So... Oof, there's it's so not many good. things. There's so it's many things. It's not good things. looking back. No. Yeah. yeah. And and I think you and I have talked a lot about this. And we we decided to do a Monday mini because it's been covered and it's being covered by so many already. But just having a revelation in ourselves of like, wow, this is what we're talking about about the patriarchy and how it really damages individuals and societies. And what we're looking at is just a small sample of a large, famous figure. So when we talk about how that trickles into everyday life for young girls and what that looked like for us, and then seeing it play out, it still, it hasn't gone away. Now, at least we have more people being held accountable, which some people, again, want to call it cancel culture. That's bullshit. Let's just throw that out there once again. Jay Leno making an apology. We know that John Oliver made an apology about Monica Lewinsky. Like, those things are great. Our new ways to step up and, and that taking responsibility is great. Mm-hmm. And we want to see it. But we also have to take responsibility and understanding that it needs to be called out and it, sh- it needs to be changed. But holy crap, there's such <laughs> a level of intense need to fill this patriarchal side of our society that it's hard to let go for them and they want to call it silencing. Right. Yeah, and... (laughs) So, obviously, this didn't go away in the 90s and, and we wanted to very briefly talk about Janet Jackson because just yesterday, and we're recording this April 13th, 2021, this news came out that the whole... As I'm sure you know, in 2004 at the Super Bowl, Justin Timberlake grabbed at Janet Jackson's costume, resulting in the so-called, what he called, uh, wardrobe malfunction, exposing Jackson's breast to 140 million people. Again, this isn't a bio episode, but Janet Jackson is a huge figure. And she's right. Said a lot. <laughs> like, right. Um, I would love to come back and talk about it in, a, in another episode. But apparently, like just now, the stylist of Janet Jackson said that Timberlake pressured for such a malfunction so that he could one-up Britney Spears, Christina Aguilera, and Madonna, who made this big news at the MTV Music Award Video Awards after they kissed a few months earlier. And it is another example of, like, that's kind of bleed over from the 90s of this Justin Timberlake, Britney Spears thing, but also, yeah, like a man using a woman's body against her will without asking and then pretty much getting away with it while she suffered from like blacklisting 
Uh, she was disinvited from the Grammys. Well, like, she still performed stuff. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Right. And that was the whole big thing. And, and and we know that Timberlake actually came out with an apology. And it's kind of one of those things that's like, it's kind of too little too late. We see yeah. situations where women are constantly called out for using their life. Uh, Taylor Swift, prime example, how she writes about the people that she may know. Oh. And people really just gave her a lot of crap about that. Timberlake did that before her and won mm-hmm. awards. Won so many awards that he continued to make the same songs about the same person, even though he'd gone through 15 different relationships. Exaggeration. <laughs> after the fact. But no one called him out on it until recently. Yeah. And it seems like he may still lied. I know. And that's the thing, I think, thinking about these women for me, because you and I, and we've been expressing our opinions, we did have this sort of the this media-fed opinion where we were, like, judging these women. And it was the Lewinsky scandal, not the Clinton affair. Like, we were painting the story in this way that they were bad because they, God forbid, they were sexual or just a woman that exists in the public and did something that people don't approve of. But now that we're rethinking about it, it's like, Really? Right. <laughs> These men have gotten away pretty scot-free for something that I would argue in many cases is largely on them. Right. As well as the fact that they made a lot of them, whether it's just making jokes at their people's expenses or making money off of the mistakes, they made money off of them. Yeah. They profiteered mm-hmm. off of someone else's misery mm-hmm. and, and just the level of demise. And it's just this whole level of grossness. And the fact is, I fell for it and believed mm-hmm. to be true because, of course, it's a woman's fault. That's why all of these things, the ruin of everything is because of a woman and I have to be very, very careful, A, to not dress that way, not talk that way, not think that way, not be that way, and to protect a man yep. in whatever way possible because that's apparently my duty. And if something goes wrong and a man does something bad, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. And I believed that. Yep. Yeah. We were told that. We were fed that narrative and just, it's still there. Obviously, like the 90s weren't like a cuts. And no. And I feel like social media has made it worse. And now it's just also a little more balance of calling people out mm-hmm. and people don't like it. So we got to scream cancel culture. Exactly. Exactly. Obviously, we have a lot of thoughts about this. <sighs> <sighs> Bridget and I did do a whole uh, episode on the uh, Janet Jackson thing, if you want to hear more on that, because it's really infuriating. And I do think, like, originally we had Lindsay Lohan in here, and I feel that if you look at that sort of disnified space of women who start, or young girls who start in this very wholesome family environment, so if you're talking about, like, Lindsay Lohan, Amanda Bynes, Miley Cyrus, even Britney Spears, I was thinking maybe the Olsen twins, and then they reach out, they, you know, Hillary grow Duff. up... A Hillary Duff explore their sexuality and the media tears them apart. We all tear them apart. Right. Well, most of us do. We, we get we get fed into it and it's very upsetting. And I read a lot of articles comparing like, well, imagine if you imagine this male actor who did very much the same thing. Did nothing really happen to them. Harry <laughs> They're still Potter. working. Daniel Radcliffe. Yeah. Would be the prime example came up a star and decided he needed to be naked. On stage for a play. <laughs> and everybody embraced that. It was so yeah. exciting. Maybe, again, though, A, there was kind of a pathway paved by these other blunders. But if we look at Emma Watson, 
she fell back a little bit. And people were not happy when she became an adult. Like they, they were like, wait, wait, wait. She's getting sexy and modeling. Wait. Mm-hmm. It just seemed like a whole different narrative. Yeah. Yup. And I think clearly we could probably do a whole episode on this. We kind of did. That. We kind of did. <laughs> but we wanted to end with apologies. Yes. Uh, women of the 90s. And I guess most women in general will try to do better. <laughs> and we are fighting for you. Yes. Yes. So listeners, if there's anyone or any angle in particular you would like us to cover in this uh, topic space, you can email us at stuffmediamomstuff at iheartmedia.com. You can find us on Twitter at momstuffpodcast or on Instagram at stuff I've never told you. Thanks as always to our super producer, Christina. Just another bad woman. Mm-hmm. And thanks to you for listening. Stuff I've Never Told You is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. This episode is brought to you by PNC Bank, who believes some things in life should be boring, like banking. Because boring is safe and responsible, level-headed and wise. All things you want your bank to be. You don't want your bank to be cool or sexy. Sexy is for 80s hair bands, not banks. That's why PNC Bank strives to be boring with your money so you can be happily fulfilled with your life. PNC Bank, brilliantly boring since 1865. Brilliantly Boring Since 1865 is a service mark of the PNC Financial Services Group, Incorporated. PNC Bank National Association, member FDIC. The state of Tennessee is one of the few places where the sounds are just as breathtaking as the sights. Whether that's live music at a historic music venue, the crack of an open fire at a campsite in the wilderness, or hearing kids laughing as they explore what's right around the bend, Tennessee just sounds perfect. Start planning your trip at tnvacation.com. Tennessee sounds perfect. This episode is brought to you by Pedigree. If you've been looking for love at first sight, it is closer than you think. It can be found at your local shelter. So this June 7th to 9th, join the Pedigree Adoption Drive and the Pedigree brand will reimburse your dog adoption fees nationwide. Pedigree knows that bringing a dog into your home not only opens their heart, it can open yours too. Visit pedigree.com slash adoption dash drive to learn more about the adoption drive and to see full terms and conditions.